0: Why don't you uh, grab yourself a cup of hot cocoa, gather around this nice fire, and uh, join me for story time with John Isaacson, the Intentional Restorer, the Dojo. All right, you got your cocoa? You ready? I want to tell you a story about when I was a young man and my first interaction with what quote-unquote business consulting looked like. So there I was new to a recent uh, construction company that wa- that hired me to add a restoration division to their existing services because, of course, they saw re- uh, insurance work as, you know, the cash cow, right? The one that would, if, if only they could break into the insurance industry, it would solve all of their revenue and profitability problems. And so here we are, but unbeknownst to myself, they had also hired a business consultant. Um, prior to you know even me being hired, and so finally, you know a young man comes in with an ill-fitted suit and a briefcase, and he says he's going to spend some time with us and really dig into the biz. And so I remember after you know he interviewed each of us and kind of walked around the office and typed on his computer and uh, you know did those kinds of important-looking things. <clears throat> At the end of the week you know, he provided my boss with a report and I, I, literally the friggin' report said, um, you know, increase your revenue, uh, increase your profitability. Um, and if you're struggling with profitability, maybe make some cuts and, um, you know, opportunities to increase revenue might include going after real estate agents. So, um, and here's a list <laughs> printed out from, you know, probably Yahoo at the time, right. Of, uh, real estate agents in your proximity. And, uh, and I remember thinking, what the crap? How much did that cost? And I I I, I believe the owner said, you know, that was about ten thousand dollars. It might have been fifteen. I don't know. But so what they did was they looked in the the interwebs and the top rated, you know, business consulting, and uh, and that's what they got. So because of name recognition, that's who they got. And so, man, I if you are a business owner um, looking for, you know high-level business consulting or, you know, you're a manager looking for, you know, career development, um, process improvement, um, or even, you know, perhaps you're somebody on the front lines just looking for someone to help you know how to take the next steps. Um, the DOJO does offer business coaching. Um, I, I almost hate, because of that experience, so the, the word consultant because, um, you know, there seems to be a lack of investment and engagement, right? You know, and so, you know, our goal when we coach and consult is to work ourselves as quickly as possible out of a job, you know. So, identify what it is that you're wanting to execute on, try to create executable goals, and then help you achieve those goals. And it's not us being the superhero, but helping you be the superhero in your own story. And so, there's many of our guests on the Diojo podcast offer similar services, so I'd encourage you, you know, interview, talk to people, find out who's the right fit. Um, and if the Diojo happens to be, you know, if you think that guy, John Isaacson, might be able to help you, then um, that's awesome. So, but uh, but that's, we, we really try to create um, real world, executable, um, you know, business coaching principles. And most of the stuff relates to, you know, the blueprint for success, your people, your process, your production and progress, Um, you know, and we have things like clarity, consistency, and accountability, you know, just core principles, parameters that'll help you um, grow your personal and professional development, your leadership skills development, and, you know, your process improvement. So check out the dojo.com. And uh, if it's something you want to talk about, schedule a free 15 minute consultation. So, thank you for listening, the Diojo Business Coaching Services, thediojo.com, thediojo.com. So, our concept for this is pros versus joes, right? What is this amateur hour?
1: Thirty-seven minutes. Engaged. Engaged. Got- <laughs> <laughs> On location podcast. Oh, Pro versus Joe. Oh, that's it i've had it with this dump up the game we can't do this it, it's it's over that's a, that's a cool story
0: too we got no
1: food we got no our pets
2: heads are falling off what
0: do we call this pros versus or not pros pro versus I don't know who you are. Joe, pro and Joe. Pros versus Joe. I don't know what you want. Pros vs Joe. Shut
1: up so
0: Greetings, friends and peers in Podcast Land. Thank you for listening and watching watching to the DioJo podcast via our YouTube page, um, which is just, I mean, subscriptions are flying off the charts. Um, And sincerely, if you'd like to help us out, we'd love to reach uh, that 100 subscriber mark so then we can get a custom URL. (laughs) That'd be sweet, so.
2: Uh, This is uh, Chip Douglas, my cable guy. We met about a week ago in a routine installation. I feel like I've known him my whole life. Really?
0: That's sweet. This is Pro versus Joe, episode three. Pro versus Joe, with uh, my good friend Brian Close. And so, if you've been following, this is a podcast within the podcast. Who does that, right? If you ever ask yourself who does that, well, of course, we do. How <laughs> come no one's laughing? Um. Anyways, but the idea here is, um, man, you get like a, a two for one. Brian is not in any sense uh, new to construction, building a business. The details like property, you know, dealing with um, you know nuanced systems such as property management um, or even um, insurance agents and adjusters. But they're pivoting a significant portion of their business into insurance claims, property restoration, um, primarily on the repair side. Um, you know, round of applause. We've been able to keep them out of the program world. Um, and and they've been thriving in that uh, arena, getting work, you know, uh, referrals from other mitigation companies that have come alongside them and seen their value. Um, and then some direct referrals from adjusters and those kinds of things. So um they are in the stage of their progression with insurance claims where they're enjoying the process and seeing a lot of opportunity they're not so naive to believe that it's an endless you know bucket of gold at the end of the rainbow they know that there's bumps and bruises and they've uh, begun to discover uh, piece by piece some of the insurance carriers that can be a little more troublesome to work with than others <laughs> we won't name names but um I think if you listen to this series in particular, whether you're pivoting your business into a new arena, you're trying to challenge yourself as a leader to learn something new, um, maybe you've been in the industry for a while and are feeling a bit burned out, um, or just you know you're a career-minded professional, seeing opportunities in property restoration and wanting to know what you can do to make yourself more valuable. You know to yourself, to your employer, your organization, and, and to carriers. I think there that you'll get a lot from this interaction. Um, and we tend to go a little bit longer on these just because the the ball gets rolling and we have a good time with it. But Brian, quote unquote, the Joe Close is uh, from All American out of Tacoma, Washington. Myself, John. The intent, quote unquote, the pro, uh, Isaacson, the intentional restorer. <laughs> Maybe you've heard of me, the D'Ojo. <laughs> you just love to listen to me on the D'Ojo podcast. Okay. But, anyways, those who are learning the insurance claims process as an owner, a manager, a career minded professional, you'll learn along with Brian and their team as they pivot into this arena and learn the nuances of insurance. Um, and it's funny, you know, some of the things that, uh, if you've been in it for a while that you take for granted, it'll help you teach your team, you know, or those people, you know, identifying people in your team that, uh, uh, may bring value for the long term and help develop their careers and those kinds of things. Or if you're feeling burned out or your passion is dimming, um, you know, which tends to happen, (laughs) not going to admit to it, but maybe, uh, after 18 years, you know, that, that, does tug at you, but uh, Brian and Brandon's hunger for navigating these opportunities is inspiring. So I hope you there's a little bit of something for everyone in the Pro versus Joe, and um, again, Brian's not a Joe when it comes to business. He brings up some great points as we talk through it. So it's more talking about the nuances of insurance, and so hopefully you find some value there. Please give us feedback. If there's areas you want us to touch on, uh, please hit us up. Through uh, the Dojo Podcast, now has its own website, the podcast dot That's D Y J O or D Y J.O. D Y O J O <laughs> T H E D Y O J O podcast dot com. So, anyways, thank you for listening. This is this is really a professional organization. And, um, you know <laughs> Ready? Check.
1: All right, we're like Mic check. I got a pro mic for a
0: Joe. I know.
1: Look it. I got this. Uh, yeah, I don't that's know. the average Joe mic right there, man.
0: Uh, I got a Snowball. Hey. That's by. Uh, Okay. It's a uh, the right homie hookup. Highly the by you, Although, yours is when um, when I interview people that are serious about what they do. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Whatever
2: the hell you
1: got <laughs> is what they do. So, you look cool. All right, right, so what that's are all...
0: you... What are you smoking tonight?
1: I have a Gurkha Centurion. I paired it with a little uh, Elijah Craig bourbon. How right. about yourself?
0: So I'm going, so I didn't realize it was, uh, <laughs> so when, normally when you go to uh, Thunderbird, right, they're super like, those guys know their stuff, right? Oh, yeah. And yeah, they're yeah. super helpful. I've been to a couple cigar shops where they're just snobby as hell and it's like, nope. I wish you wouldn't look at me like that, Napoleon. I wish you'd get out of my life and shut up. Go eat a a piece of crap. And um, today, I think they're just. You smoke. want
1: shade or sun grown?
0: Yeah. Well, I was like, I, I walked in one time. I was like, I've smoked punches before, and he was like, and like
2: mm. Okay,
0: thanks. Yeah. <laughs> so, um,
1: sorry, it's not an Arturo Fuente. I have the shark. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah. Oh, look at see, okay. you're so much Scar- more. Yeah so much more savvy than I am
1: I'm an aficionado right I may not be a pro yet but I'm an aficionado
0: dude that first time that we went to the the cigar bar and I was like I'll just smoke whatever you're smoking I like normally dude I can smoke like three cigars and be fine yeah whatever that was I was like I I went home and my wife was like are you okay I was like I only had one cigar (laughs) Oh,
1: what was that Oh, it was a uh, Alec Bradley Prinsado. That was a,
0: oh, yeah. That was heavy. Heavy. You got to have <laughs> um, a, you gotta
1: have a big meal before that.
0: To some degree, you know, when you're in a cigar bar, even though it's well ventilated, it, it, you, you just get a bit more of it, right? But I remember one time I was smoking with my buddies in the garage and my one friend was just, he literally harped and like me and my other buddy were smoking too, you know, and he was just like, and I think at that time it was probably Black and Milds or something. It was like, Ugh. So, but, uh,
1: yeah, I miss cigar bars, man.
0: Soon. Right. You're the level six smoker. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, okay. So speaking of, um, level six high-class people, right. Um, I've always believed if you're going to elevate, okay, Brian, this is, this is for free, but this is high level. Um, let me write, hold
1: on, let me get my, my, get your my, notepad. my I'm going to write it down. I'm a millennial, I got my notepad right here.
0: <laughs> so uh, he's not ignoring you folks, he's taking notes. Taking notes. Um. So if you're going to elevate, uh, let me get real close. If you're
2: going to elevate
0: your social media presence, one of the best things you can do. can't hear you, John. Really? <laughs> if you're... <laughs> If you're going to elevate your social media presence, one of the best things you can do is latch on to something culturally relevant and pretend you understand it, right? Take note, boomers. Oh, So, uh, In in like kind, um, we're going to speak about something that uh, the fire has already burned out weeks ago, but Joe Exotic, right? So there's actually, we were planning to talk about it, but you brought up a great point that it's over. That was last year. I'm not cutting my hair.
2: I'm not changing the way I do not. All All right. Right, so I refuse to wear a suit. I've had some kinky sex. I have tried drugs. I am broke as shit. I have a judgment against me from some bitch down there in
0: Florida. That was the beginning of quarantine. That was
1: pre that was that was yeah, that was at the beginning of quarantine, right? We yeah. weren't even shut down yet.
0: Do you think that show would be well, it was the like voluntary like that was yeah. the first weekend my wife and I were like, Well, let's just stay in. Yeah. Do you do you think it would be as popular without quarantine?
1: No, because it it really, I think, I mean, I know I watched it because there was no sports. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I remember it was, we came back from a meeting. It was like a Wednesday, I think, when Rudy Gobert, the guy from the Jazz, uh, was diagnosed with it.
0: That's right. That's right. And And, also NBA was just boom.
1: Well, it was like he tested and then they canceled. That was when they canceled the, it was right before March Madness. So they canceled all of the conference tournaments. And then March Madness and the Masters. And it was like.
0: I remember and that the world shut down. Mark right? Cuban walking up to like one of the refs or something. Like, yeah. Cause I don't think they'd even know. Okay. So I equate it similar to Napoleon dynamite, right? Yeah. Honestly, Napoleon dynamite is not the greatest movie in the world, but it's so rich in memes and quotes, right? It's a pretty slow movie, you know, for the most part, super funny, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but more funny to quote with your buddies. I think Joe Exotic's kind of the same, even though there's not a lot of quotables, right? So yeah, probably one of the standouts for me is uh, well, I, I would say one. I think a lot of people start out with the right intention, and then money and crap like that gets involved. Whether it's just like I got to keep this thing going or whatever, mm-hmm. it, it gets diluted, right? And then, but the other thing is the Walmart meat truck. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like they show the Walmart meat truck oh. and all that crap, and then he's like, and I opened a pizza restaurant. Then it's like Ugh. so. <laughs> Any other anything stand out to you from?
1: I think my favorite moment was you know the dude um, the snitch the fat guy with the he owned a couple strip clubs and he uh, they just Are you listed, talking about the guy and, on the jet ski yeah, that was what I'm talking about where it's like you're you're in the middle of Oklahoma and for some reason you got this guy on a jet ski out of like 1985
0: with his mullet and he's just like,
1: what, what did that have to do with anything?
0: Cue the CSI Miami. Yeah,
1: yeah. Horatio Kane comes out of him, right?
0: <laughs> so, okay. So, so with the Walmart Pete truck and the all-meat special at Joe Exotic's uh, Tiger Farm. Um, so, let's talk about best-worst food chains, um, restaurants. Uh, so, who, what do you got for – where's your favorite – now, you – northern Seattle, right? And then now you're in Tacoma – now you're in the really nice area of bonnie lake right so right what's what's one of your favorite uh or some of your favorite burger spots locally or just just
1: well, uh, well growing up in because i grew up in kirkland my favorite place was Burgermaster. Right. um it's a drive-in um, where you'd have really really high-end burgers good fries good milkshakes and you know you, you they come out and they you know bring it to your car and you eat there um
0: what kind of fries? good are you a skin on fries a thin fry
2: curly fry I like- go ahead oh god these are good uh sydney can you leave some for us <laughs> <laughs> i thought you were um trying to lose
1: weight lay off me i'm starving I like steak fry, i like the thicker the fry the better to me
2: yep. yeah i like thick
1: um, or if they got, if you got good dipping sauce, that's another, another plus. Yeah. Um, on the grand scheme of things, um, I'm an in and out guy. Okay. I know it's controversial saying that being a Seattle dude, but I, I prefer in and out over, um, over dicks.
0: Well, I, don't, I like, I, don't,
1: I like all the sauce. I'm i I'm a, I'm a sauce guy. I like, I like it messy, you know,
0: I don't put dicks and in, in and out in the same. So dicks to me is like, um, it's way better than McDonald's, right? Like, it's right. not it's not the best burger in the world, but it's a great price, great system. Overall, the meal I mean, you can feed your family for a pretty good price. You know, in- well, to me,
1: I mean, dick's to me always was after a sporting event. So whether yeah, it, was, it was, you know, going to you, you know, because I went to UW, so it was after going a football game, basketball game, you'd go to dick's If you went to Sonic's game, you'd go to dick's Like that, that was kind of at least growing up and. All the way through college that was kind of the only time i ever went there but
0: what did you say The sonics? oh yeah
1: save our sonics i'm sorry rest in peace steve ballmer please bring them back
0: i went to last year my daughter and some of her friends went to a concert and um we went to dick's afterwards and uh, a homeless guy in seattle he he comes up and he's kind of walking around i don't remember if he approached us or if i approached him and i was like you want a burger and so dick's at I don't know, one o'clock in the morning, right? You know, and there's still a line, you know, out to the street, and um, and so we're just waiting in line and we're talking. And he sits down on the sidewalk and he gets his magazines out of his bag and he puts his magazines back. And then he's like, you know what? I'm gonna pass. I've got somewhere I need to be. <laughs> <laughs> so we're like, okay. well,
1: it, it, is it a deluxe or? Because if it's a deluxe, if it's not a deluxe, I don't want it, right? Yeah, and that's kind of what you get. <laughs>
0: I was like, yeah, we would prefer, I mean, what, you can get a burger, fries, and you get two burger fries and a shake for, what, seven I bucks. was
1: always, you got two Dick's Deluxe, two tartar to put on the burger, once again, I like sauce, um, a fry, and a, and a large Coke, that was my, yeah. my it was like eight bucks.
0: Probably yeah. one of my favorite things about Dick's, because I hate, I hate going to Taco Bell, and someone's like, hmm. And I'm like, are you friggin' kidding me? Like you've been here a thousand times. Clearly you live here.
1: You're gonna get a crunch wrap, just order it. Yeah,
0: just order the damn crunch wrap. And when they're at Dick's and somebody's like, huh, well, can I have that without the ketchup on it? And they're like, No, no substitution. Put it on yourself.
1: And <laughs> no, oh, and they do take card now, which is great. But you always yeah. remember you always had to have cash.
2: Used to take cash.
1: So oh. have you heard have you heard about um the, the new uh, pizza chain that's taken over called uh, Pasquale's?
0: Piscuoli? Mm-hmm.
1: have pizza? you heard about this story
0: uh-uh.
1: so i'm going to share my screen with you i think you'll know who i'm uh
0: so tech,
1: oh watch this do you, do you see this guy here Pasquali oh. pie papelli this is if you are familiar with the famous chain chuck e cheese this is the italian pizza chef so the way that Chuck E. Cheese now is trying to stay in business is they've rebranded themselves in, uh, DoorDash and other apps like that as Pasquale's. No. So you can order pizza and you end up getting pizza straight from Chuck E. Cheese.
0: And then people are like, what? The but app- people
1: would know that if they, if it was Chuck E. Cheese, they weren't going to order it, but Pasqualis. I mean, that sounds good. Like I'd order from Pasquale's.
0: No kidding.
1: That's, that is. That's clever. Ingenious. That's clever. That's clever.
0: Oh, how many people are just like?
1: Can you imagine? <laughs> so you know weird. what? I wouldn't even be that mad. I'd just be like, okay, good. You got one. You got it on me.
0: Yeah. I mean, so if we ever go to Eugene, though, Hey Baby's Burger, Hey Baby Burger in Eugene, they used to have a little cart outside of Cold Fire Brewing, which is one of my favorite breweries, and um, the the burger is like this thick, okay. but it's always perfectly cooked to where, like, in the middle, like. Me and Kada went to a burger spot the other day. I won't name names, but it was like dry. It was just bad. So um, if you're gonna get
1: if you're gonna get a burger, do you like like the Smash Burger type? Or do you like it thick, you know, the thicker
0: so I kind of red heard in the about, middle burger? I keep seeing stuff for Smash Burger and I finally went to a smash burger in uh, just outside of Boise. Wasn't impressed. So um, I don't typically like super thick burgers, um, mm-hmm. but Hey baby It's like, it's perfect. They just do it perfect. And then they, I think it's Munster cheese and it just wraps around the burger. And then they put Mm -hmm. like a giant, two giant slices of avocado. And it's just perfect. It's just a perfect burger. Have you had out and about here in Kuala?
1: That's good.
0: That one's good. That's your sauce, right? I think they're just about out and about um, like an in and out. Have you had that one?
1: Okay. Mm Mm-mm. We tried the other day um, out there uh, like between Buckley and Enumclaw out there by the, where they have the log, the logger competition.
0: I heard um, that drive
1: in out there. That was pretty good. That was pretty good.
0: Um, yeah, actually uh, when I worked there, they at, had
1: fried mushrooms as a side, which is also, if you got fried mushrooms, I'm, I'm in.
0: Yeah. I spent my whole <laughs> life killing mold. I just can't bring myself to mushrooms. So um, pizza for me, the, Coburg Pizza in Spring, it's Coburg in Springfield, Oregon, is is phenomenal. Um, What about sandwich shops? I know we both agree on MSM and Tacoma.
1: Okay, so driving around, we have found two new spots. One is in Linwood. It's called Tubbs Gourmet Subs. It's right kind of on the Edmonds-Linwood line right there, right off of uh, 99. Okay. And then there's one in Soto, literally the best sandwich I think I've ever had. It's called Smarty Pants down there in Georgetown. And they have this Italian sandwich there that has all of the just – what's it called? It's like all the pickled vegetables and stuff on top and really good meats. And the really? and it's all about the bread. So it's got that super, like, hard bread on the outside, but then the inside's soft. It's
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. And then MSM is, you know, obviously a staple and, uh, Eleven Eleven is awesome. Where's that at? On Hilltop in Tacoma. I've
0: not been there
1: for all of our nationwide listeners. That's Tacoma, Washington, you know, right. south of Seattle.
0: And then my all time favorite is Chiba Hut and Eugene. That is same. Like you're saying, Why don't you
1: pick something local. We're, you know, we, we don't know about Eugene, John.
0: Yeah. Sorry. Like, yeah. yeah like all of our international leaders, your our know, listeners know where Tacoma is, so. Okay, SeaTac,
1: hey, SeaTac so. International Airport. Okay, that's <laughs> part, part part of Tacoma. Okay.
0: If um, so if you have to go change, um, in my mind, it's Jersey Mike's or Jimmy John's. Right, Wh- which which one do you prefer?
1: Out of those two, I like I like uh, Jersey Mike's.
0: Yeah, I was. i gonna... more of
1: the. I like the Capicola and all those Italian meats, and I like all the. Uh, the oil and vinegar and
0: yep. all the stuff you can get there did the you trick, see the trick with jersey Mike's though is you have to eat it there because if you True. like take it home get and the soggy. oil gets in there the oil yeah. is what makes it taste great but it, it's yeah. just a soggy mess yeah so well, and, and and so for that fact like like if i'm buying lunch for our crew or something like that the jimmy john's lunch boxes are pretty pretty damn good but if i have a choice between yep. the two yep. i always go jersey Mike's number eight yep. What were you going to say?
1: No, I just, Jersey Mike's, I, I like all of the, the options they have too. I, they have a couple, they, some of the hot subs are good too. The Where they, you know, you can get the Philly cheesesteak or the, the the grilled chicken California is good too with the, with the peppers and
0: all that. I, I don't know about you, but I go to a restaurant and typically the first thing I get there is the thing that I'm always going to get. So I don't usually go to a restaurant and get something different at that restaurant. I usually only get that thing at that restaurant. Are you kind of more of a try everything on the menu?
1: For, for, for me, like when we, we, f- we found this Smarty Pants restaurant uh, like a month and a half ago, I think we've been there maybe seven times since. <laughs> Every time we're in South Seattle, it's like, oh, we're going, we got to go there. But I'm afraid to try anything else because I'm like oh. the, the Italian one is so good. Yep. that I'm like, I know if I get one that is still good, but not as good, I'm going to be like, man, I wish I would have had the Italian.
0: Yep. Yep. Well, we'll have to, I think we've spent a fair enough time on food. We might've, uh, worn people out or everybody's, uh, turning it off to go get something to eat. So let's, uh, let's save the other topics for later. Um, any other, All right. I, Subway's not a competitor, right? That's just what you get if, uh, you know, if you're trying to ride it out till payday, right? So <laughs> you
1: take you take a bad client to Subway.
0: Yeah, you're like, oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah let's go to Subway.
1: Look at that Italian BMT. <laughs> then you smell like it. That, that the, the the worst part about Subway is you smell like it after you eat. Ooh. Surprise!
2: Get that coin out of my face!
1: yeah for just maybe three hours, just that that lingering bread smell. I don't know what it is
0: well, yeah,
1: it's like Abercrombie when you used to walk by the Abercrombie store in the mall, it's like you could just smell the cologne they were pumping out of the
0: out of the store right The scariest thing at subway is the the vat of tuna fish. <laughs> who the hell goes to Subway to order the tuna fish sandwich
1: <laughs> no the no the, the the seafood special the seafood special, where it was all the imitation crab meat,
0: oh. Well. No, thank you. No, thank you. No. Well, <clears throat> so last time we talked, you had mentioned that... Um, so speaking of the Walmart food truck, right? One of the things is they had like all that expired meat and chicken. You said when you listened to episode three, which was the one with uh, Ed Cross, the restoration lawyer, uh, one thing you learned was about the uh, proper wiping down. I think I just made like a like an offhand comment. And uh, you said that was something... <laughs> that you picked up on.
1: It was funny. I was making hamburgers that night and I had listened to the podcast on my way home. And you had mentioned that when you're wiping off a surface that you need to make sure that you use the sponge and uh, always go in the same direction. And then once you're done with that and you're going to you know, add soap or whatever, you need to make sure you flip the sponge over. And that was just, it, I had never thought. And I think that a lot of that, you know, has come from COVID as well, where we're so much more mindful of like things like my, yeah. you know, my keyboard, my phone, my keys, yep. my my seat. I remember you talked about your seatbelt. That was another thing in that podcast. Yeah. I would never in the world, like, you know, I don't care how how many hours you spend detailing your car, you would never think to wipe down your seatbelt. Yeah, but important. you touch it so many times, right? Yep. yep. Uh, so that was something that really stood out to me that like even now, like I'm still really mindful of like whether I'm, you know, whether it's chicken or raw meat anything like that that you're are you actually cleaning what you think you're cleaning
0: well one of my pet peeves is so many people so you get your bucket of of warm water right as long as you can get access to warm water nobody reads the labels on like everybody thinks you know the big thing for the longest time has been bleach well it's actually like a cap full of bleach for every gallon you need like a 10% or less solution is the primo effectiveness of that product and people are like, well, add more. It's more effective. It's not true. Like, you've got to read the label. And that's why a lot of, of those this So, if you people, add
1: more, it, it doesn't no. does it make it more concentrated?
0: I'm not I'm not an expert no, on I'm it. Just... But, but um, from what I understand is read the friggin' label and do what they tell you to do. Especially mm-hmm. for mold, it was like a 10% solution. And a lot of people tell you, you know, Dawn dish soap is better. But again, if you pour the whole damn bottle of, you know, Dawn dish soap in there, you're leaving residue. Anything that you apply, it's the same Mm. thing in carpet cleaning. Mm. You know how like a a shitty carpet cleaning company comes in, they spray the crap out of it with the product and then they clean it. And then like three days later, your carpet looks worse. It's Mm because the soap's in there and now all of the dirt is bonding to that soap. It's like a magnet. So when you leave the clothes
1: in the wash too long, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, you know, you've got to rinse that surfactant out. Mm. And so like when people get their bucket read the label apply the right amount and like in cleaning um we used to have this at one company they had their own proprietary product that smelled terrible so i used to add 99 to it which is a great product in the industry that this is a real great
1: what'd you for- say 99? 99
0: 99 yeah.
1: 99 okay
0: yeah and you just put it's super strong but it's for organic vapors so especially like blood cleanup you just put a little tiny bit in it and so, because um, if you put too much, man, that'll overpower. Mmm. But...
1: Can you smell it? What? No, no. There's a life force in here tonight.
0: Um, so you, you mix your chemicals correctly. You put your rags in the bucket. And then you grab your rag out of the bucket. You wring it out. You fold it. And then you wipe. And some people will correct me. You get a couple of wipes. And then so For you our, our podcast it.
1: listeners, John is wiping from left to right, left yeah. to right.
0: <laughs> and then you get, you wipe and then you fold it again and then you wipe all in the same direction and either you go, t- well, you want to go top to bottom, right? If you're cleaning, whether you're doing fire cleanup or mold cleanup or, you know, wiping down your containment or this touch point cleaning. I don't know mm-hmm. how many people I've seen on Instagram. Yeah, we do COVID cleaning and they're just like this. They're just <laughs> wiping all over the places, like. Um, you know, I don't want to put too yeah. many people on blast for like in cleaning. It's great. You got to do what you got to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. Somebody needs to train your people that that's not the proper way to wipe. You know, um, right. you're not doing anybody any favors. And that's why I always use the salmonella. It's like if you got it on the counter, you're just spreading it further. You know, you need to wipe it. You know, in one direction, and then a clean surface. You know, rinse your rag out. At home, mm-hmm. obviously, you're probably using like a, you know, a pre-mix, you know, version in your sponge. But you got to clean it so. Um, But um, so I've got a funny story. You know, you mentioned the burgers. One of my good friends, uh, actually, David was on, I think it's episode 12 on the leadership But so we get a call at um, one of the places in town, like a metal factory and a guy was sitting down to take a shit and his varicose vein burst. Oh shit. (laughs) And so he just freaked out and like there was blood everywhere. And it was like, so he probably just like popped up and was just like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And I don't know if those things pop on their own under pressure or if he was picking at it or what. Um, under pressure. I, I had a boss that had a giant varicose vein all the way down his legs and he wore short shorts. And so I, that was, in my mind, I'm thinking like, geez, that would be a lot of fun. <laughs> and so I get there and David's wiping down and he's double dipping. And I was like, what are you doing? We never double dip. And he's like, look at this place. If I didn't double dip, I'd never clean. Cause we had to clean. That's the thing with COVID cleaning. And people were talking to, about the ATPs. If the house is dirty, you've got to clean it before you can do a COVID clean, right? Mm. You've got to get all the other crap out of there. And that's like, people would always call us they're like, I'm so concerned about mold and like their living conditions are just horrible. And it's like, uh, I think mold's the least of your problems, you know, like <laughs> You need to just do some general cleaning. So, For real.
1: Maybe you should stop being a hoarder.
0: Yeah, or a slob, yeah. Um, David, you know, he was like, I'm doing a clean, so then I can do a clean. Leave me alone. And I was like, okay, I'm going home. So, <laughs> but uh, that was – it wasn't – You're not uh, going to help. Get out. It wasn't the nastiest thing we've ever cleaned up, but it was just the amount of blood and someone still survived. just like, wow.
1: <laughs> what is the nastiest thing you've ever cleaned up, John? <clears throat> Uh, the, the pro that you are. Uh,
0: well, I don't, you know,
1: safe, I, safe for work, John, safe for work.
0: I don't know. If, I, I was very fortunate. So the first blood cleanup I ever did, I remember very vividly, a guy went to Chicago, you mentioned Chicago. He came home and his wife and she was young, like forties or something like that. She had died on the couch But it was like heat wave and Simi Valley and, maybe was there for a week. And so it had oh. pooled, she had pooled and and um, it smelled really bad when we got there. And so again, it was a fairly concentrated area, but my boss explained to me, he's like, you know, imagine if he had to clean it up himself. And so in my mind, it just kind of clicked in like, okay, I'm doing this so that somebody that's a family member doesn't have yeah. to do this. And right. so I guess that's how I always processed it was, you know, every cleanup. So cleanups never bothered me. I would rather do a blood cleanup any day than crawling through a shit filled crawl space wow. <laughs> where you're literally like elbowing through. So those, I hated crawl spaces. Oh, probably the freakiest one for me was a crawl space with a dead raccoon. Um, I think I mentioned a dead that. dead raccoon? Dead raccoon. So they, mm-hmm. they, this company has, or these people have this smell. I think I mentioned on the episode seven with Amy, um, they're like this smell. They couldn't figure out where it was coming from and finally figured out there was a dead raccoon, but it was bloated. I mean, the <laughs> raccoons are pretty big. It was probably yeah. like three times the size. So you're <laughs> rolling in this crawl space. You know, the axis is over there. I've got to go over to it. And I'm thinking like, is it really dead? Is there other stuff in it? <laughs> so then it's dead. It's yep. leaked out. There's maggots yep. everywhere oh. you know, in the crawl space by myself. Um, and so, Ready to die yeah i was just like "Uh, this is creepy. so um there's been i i the blood doesn't always really creep me out sometimes when you're on a job like that there's just a different feeling and that probably more creeps you out than than the actual cleanup where it's just like it feels icky like what
1: the blood came from like you know what i mean
0: yeah or or you just feel sad you know because it's just like that lady yeah
1: like the lady you're describing that had been dead you know for a week like
0: that one, yeah, that one It'd be a heavy situation. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, I can honestly say the blood for me never really bothered me, you know. And sometimes you find things you like, Oh that's interesting, you know. Yeah. Chunks of head or brain or teeth or something like that. So um <laughs> So I'm sure our audience if we have audience in property restoration, most of them know what we're talking about. But you know, if somebody's listening that hasn't been in the industry, they're like, Oh my gosh. So um <laughs> You got to figure out ways to deal with it, you know, so. Um,
1: to but, those people so, that want to go out now, just go to Pasquale's. You're gonna, you are gonna, you will not be disappointed.
0: <laughs> we'll be doing cleanup for sure. You might have to
1: clean up after that
0: though. <laughs> oh my gosh. I couldn't make it to the toilet. So we wanted to talk a little bit about horror stories. I, I mentioned um, in episode seven, I talked about the best time to fire a client is before the job starts. And I 100% believe that. Because how many times you have, that feeling, this is not going to be good, but it's a good enough project that you're like, let's take a risk on that. Do you have, without naming names, any come to mind?
1: Several. Um, Uh-oh. Our favorite, or sorry, our least favorite uh, question is, can you help me pick materials? Tell me what looks good. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, man, I, or woman, I am here to... <laughs> restore your kitchen so I, i'm never gonna step foot in your house again after we're done and you're gonna live here for the next h- however many years why do you care what i think looks good um and then the worst on top of that is then when they're like well if we we save some money because i got this guy because he saved us some money here with this install so we're gonna spend some more money and can you remodel our stairs or can you do this yeah can you open can up this us. and we're like you're already think here. That's, yeah, and I think that's one thing. I don't remember which episode it was you guys touched on, where it's like we're not remodelers; we're here, to, we're restorers.
0: I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want.
1: And um, we are very actively trying to, you know, project that to our clients now because ultimately we are there to help them. We want, you know, we we want to help, especially because with all the delays and everything and material like we've had to help guide them to like, here's the stuff that's in stock. Um, But then also remind them, like I just had this conversation with a new client, you know, on Friday was like, you know, this remodel is going to affect, you know, you just bought this house six months ago. You're going to live here for a while probably. So if there's something you really want your kitchen to look like, don't try to get it done as quick as you can because yeah if you If you have to put the project out you 've already been living through hell for the last two two weeks, three weeks, whatever, because of the loss, you might as well just stick it out and get the material you want right i mean yeah <clears throat> so but I think it always just goes back to those indecisive material selections like yeah i mean and uh, well you i don't want I don't, I to don't call anybody out because we we love all of our customers, but yes
0: yeah. <laughs> well, you and Brandon have been smart um it because you've had good counsel right but um you have not the gone pro. the program route um and so we'll
1: not do program
0: yeah good yes we thank you for enjoying this recent episode of the Diojo podcast if you can put up with this level of mediocrity from our host john isaacson because of the quality of the guests that he gets, you might be interested to hear from Eric, the Tech Whisperer Spring, on episode 17, where we discuss train your people to obtain your goals. Eric, as an owner of Shamrock Restoration with his partner, Larry, the Pineapple Man Wilberton, built up a successful business from the ground up and were able to sell that business and They're still friends, still partners, and they've moved into MorningTech.com, which we've featured previously. So give a listen to that episode. You can also listen to me on the Blue Nation Collar Nation podcast with Larry and Eric. Thank you for listening. Hallelujah. We do Xactimate but not program. We've learned
1: from the master.
0: Yep. And so if, if, you know, that's – in program work and that I can remember the last spot I was at in program work, you have to churn, right? Your job is to crank them out. Um, and, uh, you know, so I, we had an estimator that was very good at, you know, getting the upsell and, and it's, it sucks because people want their dream kitchen, right? So you really, like you've been talking about and you're very good at already, you know, you are a Joe when it comes to insurance claims and the, the nuances of insurance claims, right. right? You're not new by any means to construction or customer expectations. And so right. um, you guys have done a really good job of communicating that, but you know, it, that age old saying of, you can have it good, fast or cheap pick two. Right. Yep. And yep. so it like, exactly like you're saying is like, if you've had a water damage and say, you've got 20 K coming from the insurance company, it's a great time for you to say, Hey, I want to build. Are you, and that's what I would always ask people. Are you going to stay here? you know, for five Mm -hmm. or 10 years or more, then build Mm -hmm. the kitchen, however you want it. If you're thinking in the next three years or so you want to sell, let's go with a more basic, you know, something, because probably somebody that buys your house is going to change it anyways. Right. 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 So, but in the program world, and for those of you out there that are in program work, it's like you, you, you cannot be a remodeler. And and in your case, and I, I, I can't believe how many companies will do um, design. And I think that's what I advise you guys. If you get somebody that wants that kitchen, tell them, go hire, hire a designer. And then when you have a plan, come back and talk to us. Cause you've got this nest egg to work with. Right. So design yeah. your kitchen. We're not designers, right. That's unless mm-hmm. you want to hire us to be, and that's going to be whatever your rate is, 125 bucks an hour, you know, <laughs> you know, to go chase. But, but I think what,
1: what we've, what we've started doing, my, my big thing now is I, I say just go on Pinterest yeah. You got we we have an approved estimate now. Take the next two or three days, you know, yeah. and just start with something. Do you what yeah. do you for sure know you want? Is it white cabinets? Is it, yeah. you know, uh, Brazilian cherry floor? Okay, yeah. you like Brazilian cherry floor, just go on Pinterest and write Brazilian cherry floor yeah. kitchen. And then you're gonna see all of these photos. Yeah. Find two or three that you like and yeah. then get those to me, and I can use those as a jumping off point when we get You know, when we get that over to our suppliers, they can then give you options within that realm. But I'm not going to start and be like, hey, go to a kitchen or a cabinet supplier where they have, you know, 90 different options. Yeah, yeah. And then have you go to a countertop place and a flooring place. And it's like you're going to spend five months picking out, Yep. like hone hone your focus, and then I can help you.
0: Yeah. Well, that's not my house, so I can't tell you what you're going to get. I was advising a company down in Salem, the same thing. They're like, should we get Xactimate? Should we do program work? And I was like, "Exactimate, maybe. But I, saw, I even tell people, it's like, and we had that same conversation. If if you're winning, you know, 60% or whatever you want your ratio to be, if you're winning 50 to 60% of them not using Xactimate, there's no yeah. reason to go to Xactimate because it just gives them crap to cut out of your estimate. Um, program, I would never advise somebody to do program work. Um, you know, if you're in a company that already does it, then you got to figure that out. Um, See,
1: you, know what's, you know what's funny to that point though, John? We have had less pushback from adjusters with our estimates using yep. Xactimate than we did. I mean, you, you saw our bids before. We, were, we were, were really detailed. I mean, it's, yep. Yep. everything's line itemed, but you know, what I found just from learning from you and also just interacting with adjusters is if we give them as much information to justify our number, yeah, most of the time these adjusters want an easy job and yeah. if we're giving them detailed photos detailed measurements all of that stuff and we're really yeah. communicative of we're not trying to ask for the moon but it's like hey yeah i mean that one house we, you you helped us with the estimate on where they had an inlay of pre-finished hardwood and yeah. the rest of the house yeah. was i think you can save on. It. she's and brandon's like you can't because there's what happens i mean if, if the refinisher just happens to go a quarter of an inch yeah. into that Yep, you know pre-finished flooring, you're you're screwed. Yep. So, and I think that's where it comes back to like what you're saying. We, we're new to the game as far as Xactimate goes, but we're not new to yeah the construction game.
0: Well, I, and I honestly, um, I just did an episode of the Blue Collar Nation podcast with um, Larry Pineapple Man Wilburton and then Eric the Tech Whisperer Sprague, and so Eric's the production guy and Larry kind of like you is more of the business development guy and mm-hmm. and and you know and growing the business and i think i think that's so key when you have partners if you can sustain that relationship to where you respect each other and in your guys' relationship Brandon's the technical guy right he knows the, most of the construction stuff yep. and you're the bd like you know you don't know Xactimate, but you review my estimates and you're like yeah that yep. makes sense you know and so yep. um you know and that's a it's it's all playing a game right and so if it's And, but to be fair, right, there's been a few, we won't name the carriers, but there's been a few that have hacked the crap out of the estimates. And it's like mental note, don't want to work with that company or they won't be a priority. Mm -hmm. Well, there's one you've eliminated for sure. Right. (laughs) And it's funny you found Yeah, We had, we had two bad clients within
1: like a week that had the same, same same carrier. And it was just like, this is a joke. And even when I was talking to the adjuster, he's like, yeah, it's, I used to be an independent adjuster, but now I'm solely here. Yeah. I'm, I totally understand what you're saying as a contractor, but from the what his policy, yep. I can't do nothing for you. It, it is what it is. I'm sorry. And yep. that's when we have to have that hard conversation with the client where it's like, there's no way for us to do this job for you. Yeah. I'm sorry. There's, like there's you, a reason you sure
0: it's cheaper
1: than everybody else. Exactly. You should, you should yeah. not. And that's what I've learned too. Like my wife and I have even re-upped our, our home policy is like, yeah, you got to make sure you're protected because when you're, when you're facing a loss, you, you do yeah. not want to get yeah, you know, left well, out in the cold.
0: Well, but so many people, you know, um, use it like like they think it should pay for everything, and that's not. It's a disaster policy, right? It's if the worst yeah. case happens, you know, you have a thousand dollar deductible. If it's less than a thousand dollars, you should hire a handyman and get it taken care of, right? Don't file that stinking claim. That's the value, you know, down the road. If you start to market agents and stuff like that, that was like, if you will call us first, we will go out for free. We will inspect yeah. this loss. And we will tell you whether we think it's like, Hey, we can fix this under the deductible and help your client and your claims percentage. Or, um, cause it's funny, they may have a little toilet leak and they think there's no damage and it's much bigger than they thought. Whereas they may have like, you know, the utility sink ran over and you know, water was everywhere and it turns out it was actually much smaller than they thought, you know, it hit the right spot to go down into a vent or something like that. And it's like, yeah, we can take care of this. So, that's the value most property restoration companies are aware of that but um you know it's just it's one of the easiest ways to provide value to an agent to say you know just call us let us go out and screen it for you yeah i'll call you immediately from the site i can give you you do a great job of doing like videos i'll send you a video you know we'll give you all the information make you the hero so you're providing value yeah so many agents don't know what they're selling you know and they they just tell people to call their 1-800 number and it might be what was that one The people had like a $2,500 deductible and it was like an $1,800 loss, you know, it was like, right. Yeah. A little bathroom. And that was my advice to you is like, these people are paying hundred percent out of pocket, you know, they're in the negative with this right. claim, you know? So, yeah. Um, you know, it's just, unfortunately people don't understand how things work sometimes.
1: Oh, Hey, Carmen. Hmm? Hey, when will you fix the oven? Okay. What's wrong with the
2: oven?
0: That. Um,
1: well, and i think the hard part is especially with, with insurance you know as a contractor everyone always thinks we're trying to screw them yeah and you know there are you know it's like used car salesmen. I and I, there, there's a reason there's that stigma for you know <laughs> a lot there are a lot of shitty contractors out there but i think the biggest thing with insurance is, is like we try to tell our clients look you want us to have a high claim number because yeah. ultimately the higher we start means the better yeah. your claim is going to be if we yep. start really low, the adjuster is going to adjust our estimate whether it's high or low, anyways. Yeah. Yep. So you might as well shoot for the moon and see what you get.
0: Yeah. Within, within reason, right? Within
1: now. reason. Exactly. Yeah. And, well, and and that's and,
0: as you get into Xactimate, that's reading the line items and making sure, okay, this line item applies to that. It doesn't include this. And that's, you know, when a claims reviewer is like, well, why are you charging for this? Yeah. It's like one of the greatest things to be able to read the line item did you read my F9 notes? You know, those little bold notes underneath the line right. item. They're like, oh, 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 you know. Yeah. Sometimes, well, we don't pay for that anyways. And then like you guys have well, done a great job of doing this saying, well, is there another way that we can phrase that to where it works better for you? You know, there's every carrier and every adjuster kind of has their little nuances, you know, so.
1: Well, and the biggest thing for us going into this was it's, it's quantity over quality. We're not trying to get rich off of one job. Right. But if we can just have stable income and just keep, you know, once a couple jobs are finished, we have a couple more that come in, and you just have that steady flow of business, that cash flow, like that's how you pay your bills. That's how you run a business. So yeah. let's let's work with the adjusters. Let's try to get this done with as little, especially where we're using someone like you, where we're paying. We we know, like, we have the mindset that every estimate I do, I have a certain number that I have to pay out to pay you guys to do our estimate. So. I'm like, okay, let's not try to, you know, dick around too much. Let's let's shoot for what's reasonable. Yeah. Let's be upfront with the adjuster. Let's not try, you know, if it's just don't yeah. be unrealistic. And for the most part, most adjusters appreciate that and they're like, okay, yeah. we just want to get our cuz most adjusters are good. There are some that are just complete, you know, dicks, but yeah, you guys for are mo- fortunate. <laughs> well, but then- it, it's all, it's all about approach, man. If yeah. you approach it the right way and you 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 treat your customer, your client, the adjuster, everybody with respect. And you kind of yes. just your open communication. It,
0: it, it, it works. Yeah. Well, I always use the rule of three, right? Like if I get a new adjuster, a new agent, I, I want to do three claims. So they usually know the first claim they're going to give me is not going to be a good one. Right. So, okay. We'll earn our stripes as long as we can, you know, make some margin or at least cover costs. We'll, we'll do one for you, you know, but we're going to expect the next one to be nicer and nicer but the, uh, and that was like, you guys had one where the independent adjuster wrote a scope and I was like, dang, this is actually a pretty damn good scope. Um, and I'm going to have, I think on the podcast coming up, one of the adjusters we work with down in Oregon, Kirk Matthews and the same, like, you know, he would write phenomenal scopes and he actually taught me a lot of stuff. So, and Mark Watley talked about that. He's like,
2: just be humble. And pros have been doing this for 20 years if you approach them with the humility as a contractor, these adjusters, like I really yeah, don't know Say how that I, word again, humility, like what? it it was, it's not something that I'm often probably known for <laughs> at this point in my career. Um, But I think at that point it, it was very evident. I didn't know what I was doing. Right. And you had nothing to fall back on, but sure. Humility. Yeah. And so I would approach these adjusters and like, I remember coming to Scott and he was with uh farmer's back then. And, uh, now he's with Nat Jen as a national training manager and actually on the board of actionable insights, no doubt. Oh, wow. Uh, uh, but he, full circle. yeah, full circle, but he would be such a good steward. He'd be like, all right, Watley, like you're billing for upper cabinets when it should be lower cabinets and don't forget your toe kicks and right. Da, 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 da. And I'm so grateful for that. But I watched as KIC grew and my role evolved how there seemed to be like a we, they dichotomy emerging between us as the contractor yeah And the carrier and that didn't it seemed abnormal to me john so in order to get more in tune with that and get closer to like what was going on on the ground i invited uh 30 of my fellow competitors out to my warehouse uh and we from the outset like were thoughtful enough to not do anything anti-competitive or uh or anything that could be regarded as price fixing price was always off the table uh but we did talk about scope and we're like hey what line items are you guys using for a shower surround what line oh. items are you guys using for uh, removing glue down flooring, right? What's working, what's not working. Collaborative. You got it. And what was weird is I think 90 days into that, we were doing it once a month, uh, State Farm came out. And so several huh. of the staff adjusters came out and then they spoke to us about the hot button issues. The next yeah. month Liberty Mutual uh, came out and they spoke to us. Uh, then nationwide, nationwide private client came out. And so they were providing guidance for Southern California about like, Hey, this is what we'd like to see. And frankly, guys, Hey, we'd like to pay your bill, but if you can put it in this format, then, you know, this can be approved without hesitation. Like, right. When you're starting out just say, okay, you can't do that, but is there something else you can do?
0: And so many, it's hard when you're seasoned sometimes, right. You want to, you want to just bow up and be like, I'm the friggin' professional, you know? And so it's hard not to do that, but it, it's important cause you can, what the, you know, you can get more bees with um, honey. Right.
1: But the, you mentioned flies with honey.
0: Yeah. the quantity over quality. My, my father-in-law has a, uh, you can um, you can shear a sheep multiple times, but you can only skin it once, you know? And so you gotta be careful right. and there's times when you're like, you have to really, and that's the advantage you have, you guys have a partnership you guys can say, you know, is this, Hey, check me on this. You know, am I thinking about this right? You know, and yeah. so, um, you know, it's tricky making those those decisions about you know, you know, the little nuances of business. Um, what do you? Well,
1: and I think it's important too that you. I don't mean to cut you off, but I think it's also important when you have when you get referred. Yeah. You know, we we've partnered with a lot of you know mitigation vendors that you know throw us yeah. work every once in a while, and. You got to take care of every one of those referrals. And you know what? Sometimes the margins are pretty thin on those, but ultimately it's like, okay, what's the long game here? Yeah. Are we going to ever get business from this homeowner ever again? No. But you know what? If we take care of this referral and yeah. yep. they give a good review back to the person that referred us, then that makes that person look good and uh, and us look good. Yeah. So ultimately, you know what? They're going to keep sending business. Yeah. So let's They're just win wins. Right? Have a good rep in the marketplace, man. Yeah. That's all that matters.
0: Well, and that was, so I was working for a company that really wanted to, um, in Seattle, Seattle's a unique market. We're one of the most grow, you know, fastest growing markets. And when we got into program work, um, what it was, our company was like, oh my gosh, there's all this program work. And it was like, yeah. And we don't have the capacity to fill it. And it's like, and, and as I learned more and more, it was like the reason there's so much program work on the repair side is because none of the contractors want to do program work. You know, because exactly like you're finding, you throw your negotiating abilities out the door. You guys have the advantage of you can say, you know, you can write the estimate and they can chop it to pieces and you can say, peace, you know, (laughs) we're going to go do these other six estimates that, uh, you know, that are are reasonable. So, yeah.
1: Well, and I think it's also how we run our business then, like making sure our overhead isn't inflated because, you know,
0: yeah. A realistic. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. We, we don't have to, you know, we don't have 40 guys. We don't have yeah. all these trucks, all of this, you know, huge office space, all of this stuff we have to bring in the revenue for. So, yeah. you know, if business ebbs and flows as it does, like yeah. as long as, you know, you're going to have those fatty months and like then save some of that money. And then when the lean months yep. come, okay, good. Yep. You're, you're fine. Just
0: well, one, it of, out. one of the man, the all time sinkers that Titanic is when you see somebody grow too fast and their systems don't catch up, you know, cause right now you guys have a tight ship and you have yeah. staff that you can supervise and you've got good people and those kinds of things that deliver. And that's, that's the trickiest part is scaling, you know, yeah. to where you have your systems catch up to where you have that consistency. And that's what we've been talking about with the exact yeah. <laughs> It cool. was never the goal that I'd be writing a hundred percent of your estimates, but COVID hit and we haven't been able to train. So, yeah, uh, but, but you know, know-
1: Okay. I was, I'm just thinking about like the Howard Schultz, you know, effect, like Howard Schultz didn't figure out how to make a latte.
0: Yeah.
1: But what Howard Schultz did was he was able to get Starbucks to go from five stores to however many they have now.
0: Did and you know, did you know though, um, I just listened to a podcast on this. Um, so he approached Starbucks, Starbucks, the original Starbucks bought Pete's and they were like, we really want to invest in Pete's. And he was like, I want to create these cafes cause he went to Italy. And so they sold him Starbucks so they could, they could invest in Pete's. And it's crazy. I didn't, I didn't realize that was part of Was the, it
1: Pete's or was it Seattle's Best?
0: No, Pete's. It was Pete's.
1: Really? So they own Pete's and Seattle's Best.
0: I don't. Uh, in the podcast I listened to, they didn't address Seattle's Best. But <laughs> the original people that started Starbucks, Yeah. Howard Schultz was just pestering them. Like, yeah. this is my idea. This is my idea. Yeah. We're going to bring Italian cafes to America. Mm-hmm. And they're like why would we do that? We want to, you know, premium roasters and crap like that. And, um, and, and, and both are successful, right? Yeah. You know, it's not like either one of them was right or wrong. Right. They were right. both right. And so, um, uh, so they eventually sold that to him, sold Starbucks to him and he took off with it. Um, and I
1: think, I mean, granted, you know, we're, we're Seattle. So, we're, you know, we're not supposed to like Howard Schultz cause you know, hashtag save our Sonics, but yeah. From a business standpoint, I Yuck. think it's really, it. <laughs> That's David Stern and, uh, and whoever the mayor was back then, but that's a yeah. sidebar. Um, well, but,
0: but, th- but, but two, Seattle people can't get a pass because no. uh, the games weren't well. It's like, it's okay. The same thing happened in Eugene, right? The Ducks sucked for forever, right? Mm-hmm. And then they... Then uh, Uncle Phil came. No, well, Bilotti starts to get some, you know, some um, momentum. He becomes the AD. They bring in Chip Kelly, You know, he was ahead of the curve for a real small window of time, you know, to where they were competing. People were excited. And then now it's the expectation that, you know, well, we should be competing all the time. Same thing with the Seahawks, right? Like, people are so pissed if they lose a game.
1: Well, you're burying the lead, John, on what really created Oregon football. It's the pick you're going to go back to throw the ball sets up looks throws toward the corner of the end zone it is
2: intercepted intercepted the Ducks have the ball down to the 35, the 40 Kenny Whedon's going to score Kenny is going to score 20, the 10 touchdown Kenny Whedon on the interception the most improbable finish to a football game
0: oh
1: when Damon Heward in 94 threw the pick and Kenny Wheaton picked it off and ran it back and
0: Kenny Wheaton. This he's is
1: when you would you would ruin my day because you would show this it's you know. Yeah. But ultimately that's when Phil Knight got sold on football and ended up like pumping all his money into Oregon
2: and uh, the pick. The pick. Uh, yeah. my, show, buddy, yeah.
0: my buddy Rich Rule um, who's one of my good friends, he's All State agent and he was uh, he was on that 94 team. He was a middle linebacker Funny story, so he gets drafted, right, mm-hmm. to the Baltimore Ravens as a middle linebacker the same year as, um, I don't know if any anybody- Ray Lewis. Ray Lewis. <laughs> kind, of, kind of good. Can you imagine? You get drafted for your position to the Baltimore Ravens, and then there's this friggin' beast of a freak of an athlete, Ray Lewis, right? Yeah, so.
1: the predator himself. Yeah, yeah. Um, but getting back to – Wow, we, really off topic there. We went Oregon football, save our Sonics, and the Baltimore Ravens, all in about three minutes. That was that was good. Well, but it was a good in, tangent.
0: It ties in. So the the Ducks, the expectations with the Ducks, the 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 Huskies had that in the nineties, right, where the expectations mm-hmm. were, you guys should win, and they're back. You know, they're restoring that. But the Seahawks now, the expectation is, well, they should be in the Super Bowl every year, or else it's a failure. And it's like, yeah. Man, you, these are all the uh, these are all the uh, bandwagon fans that didn't you know come the for them right. in the '80s and yeah. the '90s in the Kingdom when they were losing to the Chargers, you know. So,
1: but, but I think that goes back to what we were talking about, whether it's Howard Schultz or Pete Carroll, like it's all about the duplicatable processes. Whether yeah. you're selling a latte, yeah, or you're finding a way to get all of these professionals to to compete, yeah. And yeah. I think that's what has spoken, you know, mm-hmm. volumes with Pete Carroll and John Snyder, what they've done. I mean, they had – yeah, they dressed, they drafted Russell Wilson. But you look at all of the guys where they've just been constantly – I mean, think about it. Like you're saying, like growing up, the Seahawks were nothing.
0: Yeah. This was a Husky
1: town. Now it's really – it's a Seahawk
0: town. And but arguably, too, we had the – for a, a long period of time, we had the best defense for, for the Legion of Boom. And now And all those
1: guys were with no names. And I remember, I mean, whether it's Cliff Averill or yeah, Michael Bennett, Bobby Wagner, they, they were nobodies.
0: Yeah, yeah. R- Richard, Richard Sherman.
1: Yeah, Bob. You know, uh, double team Earl. I mean, Thomas. Earl Thomas was good. I mean, he was he, he was drafted really high, but Cam yeah. Chancellor. I mean, anybody you plug in there, it was great, and that all just goes back to Pete Carroll setting up an environment that allowed people to come in and try to earn their position. Yeah. Um, okay. But
0: and now you're seeing whether they can repeat, you know, that with because uh, they they well Sherman right? He's still a high caliber CB, but they chose to let him go. Earl Thomas. Yeah. Cam Chancellor unfortunately had to retire, right? We way.
1: don't need to talk about Earl Thomas and what he, the mess he got into, but hey, uh,
0: <laughs> double well, team. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I, the, the one I feel really bad for is Cam Chancellor because that guy was yeah. just a beast, you know? Um, so,
1: but circling back to Howard Schultz, um, you know, they talk about it. Wow, we we're really off topic here. Um, but how he was able to take a store. that, or a a business that was, you know, they got from what I had read, they got stuck on five stores and they couldn't figure out how to get to six to seven to 15, however many. And he was able to be like, okay, we need to figure out how we can get the same latte experience, whether you're in Seattle and Pike's place yeah, or you're in Chicago or Japan, wherever you're going to get the same experience no matter where you are. And I think what's also been interesting to watch Starbucks over the years is how they've tried to expand other markets, whether it's um, like where they had a couple of those where you could get, you know, they were trying to, you know, they had the morning and they had the early afternoon, you know, down pat, but they didn't have that, that evening thing. So they tried to, well, let's have the wine, let's have the beer. And they try to expand into that. Then they tried to expand into different like pastry things and things like that. And none of those ever really worked, but they were smart enough to be like, you know what? Let's, get back to our core business and let's yeah. just do what we do. Right. Yeah. And which is really, I mean, that's, that's humble. You gotta be able, I mean, it's big of a conglomerate that Starbucks is the fact that they can have that humility to be like, you know what? We've tried it. This isn't good. Yeah. Let's just scratch it. Yeah. And, and let's you not, can, you know, we don't even fear the backlash. that that That's cool. I, I really appreciate that about Starbucks. You can hate on of them. Not at the Sonics.
0: Right. You can hate on them for being, you know, the big kid on the block, but you know, I mean, they've made way for the Dutch brothers and, what's out here yeah. big java and gravity and mm-hmm. um you know dutch brothers i, I come in dutch Brothers. i don't know if you've been much that it was more of an organ thing but they're coming up here but you know that always somebody chipper and you know hey how are you doing you know well, they
1: just opened in i know they opened the one across the street from the pool dog in fife but the one i noticed that opened like a week ago was across the street from chick-fil-a by the south hill mall in puyallup that's been open and for a couple months has it been yeah. I just haven't driven by it. Anyways, I, I, it was the first time I noticed it being open uh, the other day, and there was like 40 in cars in line. Yep. All, like two lines of cars all the way around
0: into the mall parking lot, and I'm like, yeah. that's crazy. Well, and one of the things that's interesting to me – so Dutch Brothers has a um, – I think they still have it where if it's your birthday, you can get a free coffee. No questions asked. You don't even have to show them your ID and um you know so their rewards point is is like transparent and like it's the thing i think they know that's the thing like like in springfield and eugene you could go to like six different dutch brothers and get free coffee but i think they know that that also engenders brand loyalty right you know it's like i don't have to show my id the people aren't giving me guff it's um you know it's just an expectation i remember in contrast I, i i've stopped eating at chipotle because of this but they had a, I don't remember if it was down here, but they had like a, like a E. coli breakout. Mm-hmm. Um, that was long. Yeah. That was like what, five years ago. So five years ago, mm-hmm. do you remember what their resolution was? They blamed their employees. They said, well, we've whittled it down. It's because our employees weren't washing their hands. Wow. And, and that's why this happened. And it was like, I remember thinking like, cause I've worked for companies that do that. And it's like, you guys are jerks. You know, that's, that's an asshole move. Rather than just owning, yeah, your $13 saying,
1: an hour employee, you're blaming yeah. your the downfall yeah. of your of your system because of that. that yep. That's that's BS. Yep.
0: Whereas somewhere like um, Dutch Brothers is like you know, you as far as I know, you can't um, you can't own a franchise unless you've worked from the ground up. You know, that's and cool. then um, you know they're working. I don't think their systems are as developed as Starbucks as far as like the benefits and you know like a Costco platform or a Starbucks platform where there's really good options. Yeah. Um, but they take well, care Star- of Starbucks things.
1: is that way too. And so is Costco where, where you've you had to have work. worked at the store for a certain number of years before you can work at corporate. And that's I know cool. back when I was a property manager, we had a lot of Starbucks locations and all of the territory managers had, you know, store experience as a manager. Yeah.
0: And that, that's so, cool. That, that's cool. I don't believe you have to like <clears throat> know it, but you know, and that's like your guys' situation where you have to know what your strengths and weaknesses are and respect each other's, um, uh, that was, do you know, right in the rain, um, there in Tacoma, they're the, the notepads where you can write, they have yeah. them at like, yeah. uh, McClendon's where the water's mm-hmm. running. Yeah. Out. Yeah. But those two brothers, um, that eventually took it to that next level, same kind of thing. They're still friends, but one was the marketing, one was the production guy. It seems like that's a system. And I, you know, I've definitely worked for companies where, you know, the guy clearly doesn't, the CEO clearly doesn't have any field experience and you can tell, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. so but we should probably wrap up this particular episode. What's, um, so do you, I guess my question and maybe this is, do you have any systems for screening clients? And then um, have you guys, I'm sure you guys have started that conversation. What are you thinking of as far as scaling to get your systems in place? Or at this point, are you trying to just say, "Let's let's do what we're good at and grow smartly? So we
1: have, as far as screening clients go, we're not really screening right now just because the, you know, you majority, if not all of our work is referral based. Yeah. So, right. um, there have been instances like you've mentioned where we have kind of just let the client go because either, you know, they were,
0: can we mention that lady the other day, <laughs> which one, where she was like, what you, you, you inspected on Friday. We were
1: there at three thirty on Friday. Yeah. or no, 3:30 on Thursday, and at 8:37 the next day, the next Friday. Yeah, where's the estimate?
2: Yeah, you serious? I just, I just told you that a moment ago.
1: Like, I'm like, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm Even sorry, when- J- John's a pro, but he's not that pro. Okay, he's not on that all pro level. Well,
0: because you got home, you had like four of them to upload, right? So I yeah. don't think. I don't think and it's you, like it's
1: like a two thousand dollars job. I'm not going to prioritize that over some of the larger ones. But well, I'm just going to go with somebody else. Then like <laughs> peace. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But so I think right now because we are new to this market, um, we want to just help out as many clients as we can. Um, yeah. As far as what we're trying to do to duplicate processes, the biggest thing that we have found switching, you know, pivoting, like you talked about last, you know, last time we've talked is um, how can we reduce our overhead. So the biggest drains on our overhead has been how many times our guys have had to go pick up material. Yeah. So now that we're not having to have guys that are, you know, pr- prepared to do 75 different things because, you know, our, our, our scope of services was so wide that, you know, they had to be a jack of all trades. Now it's like we've narrowed everything down and our guys know that they're probably only going to do anywhere from 10 to 15 different things.
0: Well, look at how so, many we've done right and there's you know what 80% are either kitchens or bathrooms right I mean yeah I mean
1: think about it yep. just from a residential restoration perspective yep. yep we have flooring subs we have drywall subs we have painting subs we yeah. have tile subs countertop so really our guys are there to set vanities hook yep. up plumbing yep. put in, put appliances in put up plastic vapor barrier items. Yep. yeah um, caulking things like that so it's like okay how can we set up an inventory system at our shop where okay crew 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 you're going to do these six things today grab the material in the shop because if we can get it and have it there they don't have to spend spend time going to home depot especially now with covid how long it takes to go through the lines yep you know um so i think that's one thing we're trying to do is just how can we work smarter and set our guys up to when they're you know, on the clock, they're actually doing work that's generating revenue for us. Yep. Yep. Um, so that's step one. You know, with the new move to the different shop and um, the new office and all that, I think we're, try- we're trying to take that as a blessing in disguise that we, you know, we get to start from zero anyway. So yep. let's set it up the way we want and set it up for success. So I think that's what we're trying to do right now. Um, scaling is also something you mentioned where there's a lot of contractors where they take on too much and then they fail. Yeah. So, you know, tickets. yeah. So like six, seven months ago, you know, in the summertime, you know, you think about it, like there was no mention of COVID, anything like that. So it was like, how many networking events can we go to? How many associations can we be a part of? How many golf tournaments can we play? in? how, how can we just get our name out there, out there, out there. And now it's like, okay, we want to, we want to quiet all that down. Yeah. And we want to make sure that we partner with the right people. Yeah. And find the right vendors to work with the right subcontractors so yep. that we don't have to get huge to to be profitable. Yep. Yep. You know, like, yeah, it'd be great to be a, you know, a, a serve pro service master, whomever it is on that large scale yeah. from a notoriety standpoint. But frankly, that to be on that level, you got to have so much overhead Yeah, and how many project managers, how many jobs, how, and then if stuff slows down for a bit, then man, you're, you're sweating that out. So yeah. I think that's really where we've been trying to like, let's just grow, you know, let's get the processes in place. Let's make sure that when we hire more people, we can give them a set, you know, a set set of processes that allows them to be successful in their job. Right.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think that's uh, you know, the evolution of that, what we can explore to exactimate does allow you to print out. It's not a hundred percent accurate, but you can print out a materials list and you can print yep. out, um, Basic, you know, the budgeted hours based on yeah. the, um, you know, time you put in and those kinds of things. So, yeah, I think the biggest thing on scale is, you know, make sure that you're guarding your cash flow. You know, because that's Correct. that's that's what tanks you. And especially
1: stocks. in times like these, where it's, you know, it's it's an. In, I mean, no one knows how it's gonna how two weeks from now is gonna be.
0: Yep. Well, and that's what's so crazy. What you mentioned, you know, Joe. That's a pro (laughs) statement. That is a pro statement. You know, when our guys are on the clock, we want them generating revenue. Yep. You set your system up. That's so friggin' simple. And yet so many companies do not get that. Like what do we, me and Brandon as the owners, and then if you bring in project managers and estimators, Mm -hmm. your job is to bring work in and get these guys to where they're generating revenue, you know, take, take that out. Cause like right now, COVID. Yeah if you, you go by Home Depot and it's like, you're going to be in line for, it was be, before COVID you're, it's at least an hour every trip. It doesn't matter if yeah. you're buying a trowel or, you know, 800 sheets of drywall, you're in yep. there for an hour. Now yep. it's three hours, you know, mm-hmm. like it's insane. And so, you know, we used to have, and we can talk about that. We used to have um like Lowe's would come in and stock certain things yeah. for us, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and there's plenty of those smaller outfits that would probably be more than happy to do the same or, if you have a larger project and you have your product list, you know, and they have a garage or you set a pod and you have your materials there. So the guys aren't, you know, that's, that is, if you, if your process is centered around, I want my guys generating revenue and it's my job to make that happen, not blame them. Mm -hmm. And then, okay, what can we do with our partners to try to make that happen to plan ahead rather than, Hey, you're going to do drywall. Well, am I doing a patch or am I doing, you know, a whole ceiling or something like that? Yeah. Well,
1: That's, and I think um, that it, we've also been very transparent with our employees yeah. where we're like, hey, you know that we're only four years old, but you've okay. been with us and we, we've kept you on because we value your employment. Yeah. But this is what we're going to do. Yep. We're going to try to set up processes where we become more profitable yeah. in these instances yep. to not make branded and be more money. That's ultimately the goal. But ultimately, like, how can we incentivize you to work quicker, but still yeah. give a quality product. Because right. ultimately, our goal down the road is hey, you know what? Let's figure out how we can, like you're saying, figure out how profitable we are in each job, set aside a bit of profit from each one of those jobs into a fund. And then uh, on a quarterly basis, we disperse a bonus yeah. to the project yeah. managers, the, you know, the just all of our employees, our, our crew guys, Brandon yeah. and I, like it, it incentivizes the whole team yeah. to work as one so that we can accomplish the the goal because ultimately everybody works as a cohesive group.
0: Yep. Well, we're all going
1: to make money. And if Brandon and I are making money, but our employees aren't feeling that they're not going to be incentivized to work better. But if they know if they get the job done and they don't have to go back for a second trip, like clean up. It's funny. Like the stupidest things we get called back on and like, Hey, you uh, didn't shop back out the new cabinet that you put in. Yep. So then we got to spend how many hours, to have just a guy go out here. with a shop yep. vac just yep. to clean it up. And it's like, dude, you could have spent 10 more minutes there yep. and yep. cleaned it up. Instead, you spent half a day now where yep. we made no money. We had right. to pay you. Yep. So I think it's, it's getting people while, yes, you are still an hourly employee, but get them out of the hourly employee mindset and yep. incentivize them to, you want to make more money and not work as much? Because, yep. yeah, I mean, when we were doing maintenance, it was like, hey, we'll do hourly employees and our guys were working 55 hours a week that's great, but you know what? We're not making any money as a company and that's why we're driving crappy vans and we don't have, you know, top, top, you know, top uh, notch tools and things like that. Like you want good stuff, you want nicer vehicles, all of that. This is how we get it. Yep. So we're going to spread the wealth to our guys and, and gals.
0: Well, Matt, so I'll I'll close on that, but you know, the, I have coming up on the podcast, Skylar Lewis from Superior Restoration. He did that. It might be of interest to you, but he talked about, being transparent about- You're always finance.
1: interesting to me, John. Yeah. <laughs> I'm an avid, avid listener. Yeah,
0: thank you. But he talks about transparency in your financials. So every employee knows the financials and then they all report on something monthly, but also figuring out a system where exactly like you're saying, it's incentivized based on those performance metrics. And Claude Blackburn, he was on IAQ radio podcasts and he's, uh, he started Drye's, where all that drying equipment comes from. Mm-hmm. And he said the same thing. He goes, when I made a incentive program, our employees made more money than ever. And I made more money in my business than ever. And so, um, you know, there's in the, a lot of those companies that take care of their people, you know, you got to get the right people, but it's uh and a lot of it is the right system. But if you have the right system, you're getting the right people in, but I'll just close on this. I've always preached. Um, you need to do it right and then do it efficiently and then do it excellently. So like you mentioned, um, the one word I always stay away from is trying to encourage people to do it quicker because in most people's mind, quicker usually means sloppy. I just got to yep. get it done faster. I don't want you to do it faster. I want you Work to do smarter. it efficiently. So if you're yes. going out to the truck, you better be carrying something that needs to go back into that truck. And if you're coming back from the truck, both your hands better be full with something. So if you're going to the truck, you're carrying a bag of trash and you're coming back with the vacuum, you know, that's those well, are the and, and to
1: that point John we've even looked at like how can we get they, they like they make these rigid toolboxes
0: yeah that, that stack 100% yep. and it's and like you can okay, put wheels cool. on them
1: yeah and you can bring all your tools yep. in with you and all your tools but you run. know what yep. sometimes you don't need all your tools so you know what just bring the yep. one that has all your drills in it or yep. just the hand tools whatever yep. it has, but we give those to our employees yep. so that they can make those decisions right and just Pro and move.
0: How, that's right
1: We're trying to be pro man. Yep.
0: But if that's, you know, your guys, you know, no, if you're training them to do it right, the next step the evolution is how can we be more efficient? Cause that's where we're going to make gains. And one of the biggest one you already mentioned is not going to home Depot three times a day. Yep. And then, and then excellently, and it's crazy. Excellently means, you know, at the start of the job, we're always going to put paper down, you know, or the Ram board, you know, we're going to set up containment. So we're not dusting out the living room. And then exactly like you bought, talked about, I don't know how many people were just like, if I didn't have a vacuum, I would make sure the customer saw me with a little, um, you know, broom and dustpan sweeping my way out. Even if I'm right. not sweeping something, you yeah. know, they're just like, oh my God, you guys really take care. You know, and that's, you know, like you said, especially in Seattle with non-quarantine traffic, yep. you know, that's that's a half a yeah. day to go vacuum out of a, a cabinet, you know, so.
1: Well, and but I think ultimately too, it always goes back to you want to have a good, you want to live on, leave on a good note.
0: Yeah, you may yep. give
1: that client a good product, but if you don't come back if they're if they're upset about something being messy, yeah, you may have to spend that three or four hundred dollars yeah. to go back and make that customer happy so they yep. leave yep. with a good taste in their mouth, right? Yeah,
0: and then you got to train your guys to how can we prevent this? And that's the big exactly. thing is not you know blowing them up, but just say hey next time how do we prevent this? But performance, uh, you know, plan of improvement, right. If, if a guy's habitually doing that, like I would record that, I always kept a log. Like if hey, this guy had to go back and do that. So if it's happening once every six months, okay, that's not a huge loss, but it's like yep. every job, you know, we've, we've got a problem and yeah. you either need to, so now you're on a 90 day plan and yep. you're going to fix this or, you know, we're going to have to look at other options because it's right. clearly a lack of care. So, right. But that's, uh, that's awesome, man. That's, that's, that's pro skill, dude so that's uh maybe this is just pro pro versus pro so <laughs> again the the joe is not to diminish brian's no. experience but just no. new to the nuances of, of uh, we're yeah.
1: new to this game
0: yeah new, yep all right man well let's uh let's call it a wrap on episode hey okay, buddy should be episode three so yeah sweet
1: Ooh. that was great
0: all right all right, well, that's a wrap on another episode of the Diojo podcast and the podcast within a podcast. The Pro versus Joe podcast. Pro vs. Joe. Engage. I just learned that uh, Brian got that from Superbad. I didn't uh, put that referencing together um, when he brought it out, but uh, there you go. Um, if you don't know what Superbad is, then, um, you know, whatever. Uh, we still love you. But uh, man, I you know, I, I was thankful Brian asked some really good questions. It's so funny how um, you know I've prided myself on trying not to take things for granted and you know developing systems for um, teaching people from the ground up and as we bring new people in, continuing to give them the same level of education. and so, you know Brian brings up questions where sometimes we just mention things in passing, and it's not like they're high level things but just little tidbits here and there um, that you develop over the years, you know, in property restoration and especially responding to cleanups and those kinds of things. Those things that aren't as much of uh, common sense, you know, but uh, have to be taught and trained in those kinds of things. And too often, we take them for granted, we expect. You know, that was uh, part of my conversation, both with Eric Sprague, the tech whisperer on our podcast, um, as well as with uh, him and Larry on the Blue Collar Nation podcast, which I was thankful to be a guest on. But just, you know, bringing young people into any industry and just expecting that, you know, snap your fingers and they're going to be ready to rock and roll and deliver a high level of service. You know, you've got to put the time in. You've got to put the processes in to develop the people so that you can get the production. Um, But uh, Brian brings up some just some pro-level comments. Um, I mentioned that several times on this episode, you know, um, you know, that's uh, it's it's a it's for me, it's been a really fun back and forth, um, you know, as we interact with each other, review some of the podcast um, episodes and then discuss some of the things that Brian and Brandon with All American are learning as they go through that process. So, um, you know, this you know i think we we try to have that mix of uh, i think we went a little long talking about um food chains but uh we are food connoisseurs i don't know if you'd call us foodies but uh we do like to eat we like to eat and then um it's been fun you hear the background noise on my patio from the rain as we uh enjoy some cigars and uh the pacific northwest weather and some beverages but um Anyways, we're just trying something new at the Dojo podcast. Uh, I think this is a cool way to try to help people, whether you're an owner, a manager, or a career-minded, growth-minded individual trying to find a way to add value to yourself, um, your team, your organization, and and the clients that you serve. Uh, We kind of walk through that whole process. So hope you enjoyed that. Hope you enjoy uh, the content that we're putting in. If you've got ideas or questions, please feel free to reach out to us again. The Diojo Podcast now has its own website, thediojopodcast.com, and you can reach us through that. Uh, You can please like and subscribe on our YouTube page. You can find the podcast, the audio version on Apple, um, Spotify, Anchor, and Google, uh, and subscribe there so you get the updates. Um or you can find us on Instagram at the DOJO podcast or at the DOJO. So thank you so so much for listening and we will see you next. Hi
2: This is the stupidest thing I've ever heard.